we've been in this series called On Purpose, and the series has been about how your oil isn't cheap. Your oil isn't cheap. It costs you something to be anointed. The oil is symbolic for the anointing or God's endowing or God's releasing or God's empowerment. That's what the oil is symbolic for. And the truth is, you can't do anything for God without oil. You can't do anything for God without oil. Have you ever tried to cook without oil? Maybe you got some butter, you can slide that way. But if not, you're going to need some oil. My wife was cooking some fried fish. The oil was almost more important than the fish. Because that oil had to be on that pan so she could fry that thing and flip it. Without the oil, it's going to get stuck. And without God's anointing, you're going to get stuck on the place of purpose because you need to slide through some things and flip through some things. And you're going to need God's grace and God's providence to go forth. So the oil, the oil, the oil, the oil, the oil. The first time I was introduced to the oil was by one of my mentors, Dr. Miles Monroe. And it was before he was my mentor. It was a line of people waiting to talk to him. If you don't know Dr. Monroe, he's like one of the greatest preachers that ever lived. And I was nervous. I felt like a cheerleader. Like, like I was like, oh, my gosh, there's Dr. Monroe. I was like, got goosebumps, and I was excited. I, I tell my wife, get your camera out. She was my girlfriend at that time. Make sure you take a picture of us. You better not mess up this picture. I will not marry you if you mess up this picture. Like, this is the most important picture of your life. It better not be blurry. My hand better not be in 3D motion. You better know this picture. So my wife had a lot of pressure on her. She was holding my phone like, I'm going to take the picture. I'm going to take a picture with Dr. Miles Monroe, one of, the, one of the greatest preachers after Billy Graham. I was like, oh, my gosh, there he is. So I'm in line. I'm waiting. And this line is just taking long. Then it starts moving fast. I'm, I'm nervous. So he's in line. And then there was a guy in front of me, and I had a ton of dumb questions. And luckily, this guy had dumber questions. And when I heard his dumb questions, I had to start sidestepping. Have you ever heard somebody, like, ask some dumb questions? You're like, whoo, thank God. Like, whoever the teacher or the instructor or the pastor, they got a little smart mouth and these dumb questions and aggravated the man of God. Well, this guy walked up to Dr. Mazzaro. He said, I see that you preach all over the world, and I see what you're doing with God, and I, and I see who you are, sir. And he was like, I just got one question for you. And Dr. Monroe, he's not from America. He got, like, this accent. He's from the Bahamas. He's like, what is your question? You know, kind of sound like Black Panther from Wakanda. What is your question? I accept your challenge. So he's talking. And my dad is actually from out of the country. I should have a better accent than I do, but I don't, unfortunately. So he said, what is your question? And the guy said, sir, my question is, can you pray for me so I can have the anointing and the blessing that's on your life? Dr. Miles Monroe got so offended, his eyes popped open. He said, excuse me, sir? He said, you want me to pray my blessing and my anointing and my oil on you? He said, I am insulted. I'm like, what is man insulted? Put your eye for a prayer. What, why are you insulted? Like, it ain't that serious, Dr. Monroe. He said, if you think that what I had to go through hell to get, what I had to be crushed to get, what I had to fast to get, what I had to be broken to get, what I had to be abandoned to get, what I had to be crushed to get, 
What I had to be looked over to get you think can be released on your life with a prayer? Sir, you are sadly mistaken. Mazaro said you can't pray for this anointing. You got to go through hell for this anointing. You got to fight demons for this anointing. You got to go through the storm for this anointing. You got to be under pressure for this anointing. You got to be under fire for this anointing. This anointing ain't released through prayer. This anointing is released through pressure. And he was offended that the man could consider his anointing to be cheap as a prayer. When his anointing cost him everything. Friends, I want you to know something. Your oil ain't cheap. You might not have a jar full of oil. You might not have as much oil as the person next to you. But your oil is your oil. I said your oil is your oil. And it's not cheap because it costs you to get it. Because God doesn't release oil to anybody. God doesn't release oil to anybody. That there's a certain process you have to go through before you receive oil. If you have your Bibles, go to the book of Kings, 2 Kings chapter 4. We're going to preach today. We're going to preach today. 2 Kings chapter 4. I'll give you guys a moment to get there. I ain't going to preach long either because I think I've said everything in the last seven messages, but we're going to preach today. When you guys are ready, say ready. Some of y'all need a digital Bible. Second Kings chapter 4, verse 1. It says, The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha. So the wife of a man, she cried out to Elisha. She said, your servant, my husband, is dead. So she's talking to the prophet of God. She's talking to the man of God. And she's telling him, your servant who served you, who was training under you, who was being, who was, who was being released under you is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord. He respected the Lord. He was the real deal. But now his creditor is coming to take my two sons as slaves. So back in the day, if a man owed debt, if he died, he was unable to pay that debt. And then instead of him being able to pay that debt because he's dead, they would take his sons and they would enslave them for years until the year of Jubilee. Until then, they wouldn't be released to be free. They would have to pay the father's debt. You guys better thank God it's not like that today because some of y'all parents, some of your mama them and daddy them would have had y'all in slavery trying to pay some debt. Amen. So thank God we don't do this no more. So they were coming to take her two boys as slaves. Elijah replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? I love God. Because he said, what can I, how can I help you? But first, what do you have? What do you have? Whenever you meet God, whenever you see God, whenever you encounter God, this would be the question that God or the man of God or the prophet of God or the people of God will always lead with. What do you have? It's vital. It's important. It's imperative. What do you have? And secondly, it's insulting. Imagine if you went to someone and you said, man, I just need some help. I need some money. They're like, well, what you got? You're like, man, I need some help. Like, why are you asking me what I got? If I had something, I wouldn't be asking you for help. It's insulting. Tell me, what do you have in your house? 
And she said, your servant has nothing there at all. What that sound like you? God said, what do you got? I don't got nothing, God. I don't have anything. I don't have anything. And God said, you might need to think about that. And then she thought about it a little bit. And she said, she said, accept, maybe accept this gift I have. Maybe accept the ability to serve people. Maybe accept the ability to encourage people. Maybe accept the ability to make people feel good. Maybe to accept the ability to talk to kids and entertain kids. Maybe, the, maybe accept the ability to help people build things and to support people and to encourage people. Maybe accept. She said, except a small jar of olive oil. That's all I got. Elijah said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all, into all the jars. And as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him, and she shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her sons, bring me another. But he replied, there is, no, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is Wow, this is so jam-packed. And I'm excited to be a preacher to get to unpack this. I'm like so happy right now. <laughs> I love it. So, he said, what do you have? She said, all I have is a small jar of oil. He didn't question it. He didn't look for nothing else because the small jar of oil is all she needed. And I want to tell you something. Maybe you feel like you don't have much. Maybe you feel like you don't have the right job. Maybe you feel like you don't have the right connections or the right position. But I want you to know something. If you trust Jesus Christ, if you're submitted under Jesus Christ, if you have given your life and surrendered it to Jesus Christ, you have something, friend. And I'm going to tell you what you have. You have a small jar of oil. And you may not think that's much, but that is everything you need. Because if God wants to send you around the world, that jar is all you need. If God wants to bless you, that jar is all you need. If God wants to feed your family, that jar is all you need. All you have is all you need. And then he gave her such an important instruction. He said, go borrow jars. So she went out and she went to borrow jars. And then he said, once you get them, shut the door behind you. See, some of us don't see the blessing of God because we won't shut the door behind us. We leave the door open. We let people peek in. We do stuff for attention. We do stuff to be seen. We do stuff to be validated. And God is saying, shut the door behind you because I can't bless you publicly if you ain't really about it privately. I can't bless you publicly if you ain't really about it privately. And Jesus even said in the New Testament, when you pray, pray in your closet because if you pray out and open, that is your reward. But if you pray in your closet, the reward is my response. I'm telling you, if you want God to respond to your prayer, put it in private. If you want God to respond to your oil, put it in private because this ain't for show. No, no, no. This is for flow. God said the oil was going to flow when you put it in private. Shut the door. And I believe many of us never see the reproduction and the multiplication because we don't shut the door. You got to begin to shut the door. Do you serve to be seen or do you serve to bless God? Do you serve to be seen or do you serve to trust God? Shut the door. Shut the door. And I'm telling you right now, Whatever God has given you, shut the door. 
Go to God in private and watch him bless you in public. Now, the next point is, he said, go find empty jars. I'm going to go back to the King James Version, all right? Go find empty vessels. Go find empty vessels. Go find empty vessels. What's so significant about an empty vessel? He didn't say just get vessels. He said get empty vessels. There was a certain type of vessel that God would respond to. There was a certain type of vessel that God would bless. There was a certain type of vessel that God would touch. There was a certain type of vessel that God would use. God requested empty vessels. And the reason why God asked for empty vessels is because God wants to do something. And what God wants to do is God wants to pour. God wants to pour. God wants to pour. And God is saying that I can't pour into a filled vessel. I can only pour into an empty vessel. And some of you guys can't receive the oil of God and the pouring of God, pouring of God and the flowing of God because you're filled. And God said, I can't fill what has been filled. I can't fill what has been filled. And God is saying, I can't pour into you because you've already been poured into. You've been poured into by this world. You've been poured into by your situation. You've been poured into by your fears. You've been poured into by your desires. You've been poured into by your will. And God said, I came to bless you. I came to pour, but you were already filled. And though you may have had, though you may be a bigger vessel, though you may be a more shinier vessel, though you may be a more talented vessel, a more able vessel, I have to go pour into an empty vessel. And even if it's smaller, even if it's more insignificant, even if it's not big as the other ones, I can come and begin to pour oil. And the reason why I can pour oil is because it's empty. If you feel like God ain't pouring no oil in you, can you empty your vessel? Because God only pours in empty vessels. He only pours in empty vessels. And here's the beautiful thing. Before God pours, you have to go. Before God pours, you have to go because you got to understand how God poured. You got to understand how God poured. God didn't bring his own jar. She had a small jar of oil. God said, you got to walk in what you have and you got to teach what you know. You got to walk in what you have and you have to teach what you know. Because the men of God said, you go and pour the oil. But as you pour the oil into empty vessels, as long as the vessels are empty, got to keep pouring. Got to keep pouring. Got to keep pouring. The, the pouring only stops when the vessels are full. So she had empty jars laid out everywhere. And God would come and he would use what she had in her hand. And she would take her little and God would turn it into much. She would take her little and God would turn it into much. Maybe you're not seeing much because you're not doing nothing with your little. And you, because you're not doing nothing with your little, the oil isn't flowing. Because the flowing oil comes from moving oil. When you begin to move the oil, the oil flows. And many of you are not seeing the blessing of God because you don't have flowing oil. You have frozen oil. Frozen oil is oil that's been sitting up stagnant and not in motion and now your oil isn't flowing because it's frozen you've been sitting on that anointing you've been sitting on that promise you've been sitting on that blessing you've been sitting on that calling and you won't move so God can't pour so God is saying the oil that's flowing 
is the oil I multiply. Translation, God is saying, I will only bring a miracle when I see motion. I will only bring a miracle when I see motion. You're looking at me like I don't have Bible, so let me give you some. There was a little boy that had his lunch. There was a crowd of people that was hungry. And then they said, Savior, release these people because they're hungry. And he said, you give them something to eat. And all we have is bread and fish. Not much, only five and two. That's all we got. And he says, give them something to eat. And as they grabbed the bread and fish, it never multiplied. It sat there and it looked the same. But when they put the bread and fish in motion, as they started passing it out, God started distributing it and multiplying it. As they started giving out what they had, God started bringing what they didn't. As they started serving what they had, God started bringing what they didn't. And as you pour out what you have, the little bit of oil you have, God says, when you begin to pour that out, I will begin to pour out on you. When you begin to give what you have, I'll begin to give what I have, and little will become much, and small will become big, and insignificant will become significant. What do you have? And all you have is all you need. So this is how the process starts. The most important part of this story is not the oil. The most important part of this story is the vessel. Because God promised he would pour it. God wants to pour it, but God only pours it under certain conditions. This is how the process starts out. When you come to the presence of God, when you walk in here as a lost person, we typically call it a broken person. And when you come to God for the first time, you are what's called a broken vessel. And in this state of being a broken vessel, God can't pour because God don't waste. In this state of being a broken vessel, God can't pour because God don't waste. So when you come to the presence of God as a broken vessel, God doesn't pour. And the reason why God doesn't pour is because God doesn't waste. Now, you got to understand something about God. God made you a vessel. Your very existence is a vessel. Here's how God made you. God formed you from the dust. He formed you. The moment God formed you, he made you a vessel. You was created a vessel. Your body is a vessel. Your being is a vessel. Your life is a vessel. God formed you. And before God fills something, he first forms it. Let me prove it. The Bible says the earth was void and without form. Then God formed the earth. Then God filled the earth. So God brings order before he brings filling. So the vessel comes to God's presence broken. And what God does is he begins to repair the vessel. He begins to restore the vessel. He begins to redeem the vessel. He begins to save the vessel. And after God restores and saves the vessel, it's no longer a broken vessel. It's a whole vessel. That's step one. Now, step two is, as the vessel is whole, the vessel begins to fill itself with things that's not of God. 
this world, this entertainment, this TV, this music, the things that's in the world, you begin to fill yourself with those things. And God still can't fill you because you've been filled. God's saying, before I can pour in my oil, you got to pour out the pride. Before I can pour in my oil, you got to pour out the fear. Before I can pour out in my oil, you got to pour out the anxiety. You have to remove so I can fill. So then the next step is your broken vessel, God makes you whole. Step number two is you are a filled vessel and God has to empty you. Because God requests a certain type of vessel. When God empties the vessel, then you become what's called a chosen vessel. And God is saying, I chose this vessel. And you're wondering, God, why are you choosing them and you're not choosing me? Why are you blessing them and you're not blessing me? And God is saying, because I choose empty vessels. Not pretty vessels, not talented vessels, not, not, not gifted vessels, empty vessels. And that's where heart over talent comes in. That's where when somebody that's not good enough is able to do it. I believe I am standing on this stage today preaching to you. And I'm sure there's people more gifted, more anointed, more qualified, more talented, but they wasn't more empty. And because I was able to empty my vessel, God was able to fill me with things that probably didn't even belong to me. The empty vessel is the chosen vessel. And then, once the vessel is chosen, my next verse is, let me read it to you. 2 Corinthians 4 and 7, it says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. So you go from a broken vessel to an empty vessel to a chosen vessel. Lastly, then a treasure vessel. And now that's when God puts his treasure inside of you. That's when you have this treasure trapped in earthen vessels. And when you are a treasure vessel, you, vessel, you have to remember that the power is not of you, it's of God. And when you become a treasure vessel and you understand the power is not of you, the power is of God, it's a very frustrating thing because people would rejoice over the treasure, but they'll reject the vessel. They'll reject the vessel. And I know it may hurt you, and I know you may feel unvalued, and you may feel overlooked, and you may feel used because people celebrate over the treasure, but they reject the vessel. They crowd around the treasure but no one cares about the vessel. And you have to be humble because as a vessel, your job is to be a carrier of the treasure. Your job is to carry the treasure. Your job is to carry the anointing that you may get up and you may lead worship and you may preach or you may serve or you may be a parent and you may feel undervalued and unappreciated, but you have to understand something. That God didn't call you to the world. He called your treasure to the world. You're just a vessel. And matter of fact, you're a dirty vessel. You're a clay jar. But that treasure is not of you. That treasure is from heaven. That treasure is gold. That treasure is dynamite. That's why you cannot feel good and go do the things of God. And God saves people. God heals people. God moves. You give a compliment that meant nothing to you, but it meant everything to somebody. Because it is the treasure inside of the vessel. I have this treasure trapped in earthen vessels. So you have to understand something. 
It's not about you. That's why you have to be empty. Because if you have motive and agenda, you're going to use your treasure to try to elevate yourself. But you were never designed to be elevated. No, no, no. You were designed to be a carrier of God's treasure. Come on, somebody. Give God a 10-second praise break. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. So, 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 in life, you have to have the right perspective. See, what, what, what endows me to preach? What endows me to preach? Every time I come to God's presence and I'm doing something for God, I can always give my best. And I used to struggle giving my best because they didn't respond to that. They didn't appreciate that. They didn't celebrate that. They didn't compliment me. But what I'm doing is not for them. It's for him. What I'm doing is not for them. It's for him. Because there's only one person that would truly value the vessel. The only person that would value the clay is the potter. The only person that would value the clay is the potter. Everyone else just sees the clay for what they can get out of it. Only the potter gives back to the clay. So you, when you're a vessel, when you're a clay jar, you have to stay connected to the potter. And you would get your fulfillment from the potter, the blessing from the potter, appreciation from the potter, validation from the potter. And if you don't keep your eyes on the potter, the devil will come and he will stop the treasure. Because the devil can't remove your oil, but he can freeze it. And how the devil freezes your oil is to tell you your oil is insignificant. No one values it. No one cares about it. And then you withdraw it. And when the oil sits, it freezes. So you have to find the validation and the affirmation and the acceptance in the potter. And the potter is always validating you. And he's validating you before the treasure even arrives. That's why when Jesus was at the Jordan River, before he ever performed a miracle, there was a voice from the sky that said, this is my son and whom I'm well pleased. Well pleased. Well pleased. Well pleased. Well pleased. The people wasn't well pleased until he raised the dead. The people wasn't well pleased until he healed the sick. The people wasn't pleased until he unstopped deaf ears. But the potter was pleased upon arrival. The moment you show up, God is pleased. The moment you show up, the Savior is with you. The moment you show up, the Savior is backing you. The moment you show up, the Savior is with you. You are his child in whom he's well pleased. So you have to realize something. You have to realize that as a vessel, you have to be empty because if you're not empty, you're going to go forth looking for validation and acceptance. And they won't see you because the Bible says man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Translation, man looks at the treasure, but God looks at the vessel. God sees the vessel. God sees you. God sees you, and God loves you, and God accepts you, and you don't have to prove yourself, and you don't have to perform for God. God doesn't want your performance. He wants your posture, and if your posture is one of worship, God validates you. So, 
getting into my last point, and I'm going to close because I think I preached everything, but I wanted to kind of lay this foundation of the oil, what it means and how it applies. What you have to realize as a son of God, a daughter of God, and a child of God, you have to realize why you've been sent. Why you've been sent. You've been sent on assignment. And everything the enemy is doing is a distraction. He's distracting you. If the devil can't get in front of you and stop you, he'll get behind you and push you too fast. He is stopping you from assignment. He's the thief of destiny. He's the thief of purpose. He's the thief of calling. He don't want you to go forth in who God has called you to be. He's trying to stop the treasure from going forth because the treasure is what God is going to use to bring people to his presence. So you got to realize you have been on your own assignment. You've been created for a purpose, on purpose, with a purpose. You got to go forth in what God has called you to do. You got to keep walking when people don't believe in you. You got to keep walking. When people don't see it, you got to keep walking. When people don't value you, you got to keep walking. You have to go forth in what you have. And you have to go forth in what you have now. Because God can't bless what you won't build. He can't bless what you won't build. And God can't give until you give. That the miracle of God is, is, is response activated. That it responds to what you do. It responds. When you give, it'll be given to you. But it's not given to you until you give. The reason why you don't have more oil is because the oil you have is stagnant. If you, you, if you begin to pour the oil you have, God will begin to pour more oil in you. So the anointing, the effectiveness, the gift, the calling that you have on your life, it won't be expanded until you pour it. You got to pour it. Now, 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 when nobody values me when I encourage them. And now what the enemy does is he brings you discouragement to stop you from encouraging them. So he tells you they won't care. Then you stop. Then you look and they don't care. And it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Because the reason they're not caring is because you stop pouring. I'm going to be honest with you. It's not about you. It's not about you. It is the oil. It's the oil that the people need. It's the oil that makes a way. He said, when you pour the oil, when you give it out, I'll provide. It's the oil that people need. And if you sit on your oil, nobody would notice you and you would be insignificant. Everybody that's ever done something for God was pouring their oil. So in this story... There is three significant things. You take away these three messages if you're taking notes. The first thing is, what do you have? What do you have? Because all you have is all that you need. The second thing is, close the door. Because God is not going to bless you in public if you're not authentic in private. The third thing is, pour what you have. Because God won't bring more until you pour less. God won't bring more until you pour less. Thirdly, grab empty jars because God won't bless what's filled. God can't refill what's filled. If the jar's not empty, God won't pour. When God fills the empty jars, keep passing them out. As you keep passing them out, provision will be on your path. 
See, when, I, when everything changed financially for me, is when I realized that my provision was in my passing of my oil. See, some, some of you guys are struggling financially. And the reason why you're struggling financially is you're depending on a job to pay you. Yeah. Friends, 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 no, 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 no. No, you wasn't called to be employed. You were called to be deployed. Deployed means to be poured. And when you are poured, provision follows. So when I looked at what kind of oil God gave me, God gave me oil to encourage and to build people. So my business was just a vehicle. But in my business, the thing that I was selling wasn't shirts. It was oil. Because when my customers came to me, I prayed for them, I spoke into them, I encouraged them, I gave them what I had. And it wasn't shirts. It was oil. And when you begin to give out your oil, it will begin to make a way. It will make provision. It will put you before great men. It will put you in great doors. It will give you great opportunities. Your oil, your oil, your oil. It is what God's giving you to bless you and to provide for you. Your oil ain't cheap. Everyone say it when we say my oil ain't cheap. Everyone say it when we say my oil ain't cheap. Your oil cost you something. It's unique to you and can't nobody steal it. Can't nobody clone it. Can't nobody copy it because the ingredients of your oil is your pain. The ingredients of your oil is your fears. The ingredients of your oil is your betrayal. Yeah, I know you lost people. It's in your oil. I know they overlooked you. It's in your oil. I know they didn't care about you. It's in your oil. I know they talked about you. It's in your oil. I know they hated on you. It's in your oil. I know that you didn't get opportunity when you deserved it. It is in your oil. And God is saying what the enemy meant for bad, I meant for good. Because what he tried to use against you, I put it in your oil. And now your oil is more stronger and potent than it ever was going to be. On the best day, the devil works for me because what he does against you is what I use to put in your oil. That's why I can't pray my anointing on you because there's things in this oil that you couldn't survive. There's things in this oil you don't want to go through. There's abuses that I've endured that you don't even want to know about. There are situations I encounter. There's hungry nights inside of this oil. There's lonely nights inside of this oil. Brokenness inside of this oil. Father wounds and mother wounds and friend wounds and relational wounds in this oil. You don't want this oil. You don't want it. Because it ain't cheap. And the price of my oil and the price of your oil is you. Because the oil is released after the olive is squeezed. As I'm sitting here with this oil in my hand, there is a broken, crushed, smushed, abandoned olive. And the more pain and pressure the olive endured, the smoother the oil. So you have to make a decision, child of God, daughter of God, son of God. Is it worth it? 
Is the oil worth the pain? Is it worth it? You want to know who has the richest oil in the world? Jesus. And you want to know what that oil cost him? The first thing it cost him was his rights. He was God. And he lost all his rights and privileges. That God couldn't even be sent into the world. He had to be born into the world. That Jesus had to sit inside of a stomach. God, now, he's sitting in a stomach, the creator of the world, with an umbilical cord attached to his stomach to get food. He's born and he's being breastfed. The Savior, the King of kings and the Lord of lords is being breastfed. The King of kings and the Lord of lords, the most powerful person in the universe, is walking around with a diaper on. Now, you and me had to come that way, but God didn't. But he lost his rights. And he's walking through this earth hungry, having to use the restroom limited, fatigued, tired, feeling things he never even imagined to partake of this oil. And then he gets to the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's sweating blood out his head. For this oil. Then he has a crown of thorns that's two inches long being pushed through his skull. For this oil. Then he's being accused of blasphemy of being God when he really is and he's getting his flesh ripped off his back. For this oil. And now he's being nailed to the cross. And he has a spear in his side. And as the spear was put in his side, blood and water began to mix, and it produced oil. Oil, the oil, the oil, the oil. And he's bleeding out, and blood and water is coming out his side because he's releasing oil. And the beautiful thing about the oil is the oil flows from the head down. So the oil that would be poured on Jesus would fall down on his body. And the oil that would touch his head would touch our bodies. And the oil that what's on God is the same oil that's on us. And then as Jesus was dead and as he was in the grave for three days, most of you don't notice he was in hell. He wasn't just in the dirt. Where does the spirit go? He didn't go to heaven. How I know he didn't go to heaven because after he resurrected, he, the Bible says he led captivity captive and then he went to heaven. He went to hell. And how I know he went to hell is, the Bible says that he was not left in Hades, but the second thing is, he went and got the keys of death, hell, and the grave. So how you get the keys to death is to die. How you get the keys to the grave is to go in it. How you get the keys to hell is to go to hell and take them. So now our God is in hell. And he's went through all of that. And all that's in his oil. And his oil ain't cheap. His oil is so rich and so expensive that when we just talk about it, people get saved. Some of you guys are moved right now by the power of God and you feel it on you. And it's not because of me. It's because of his oil. It's the oil of God. And then when you come to him, he begins to pour the oil on you. The shepherd pours the oil on the sheep. And he pours this oil on you.
And this oil protects you, it anoints you, it affirms you, and it releases you. Oil ain't cheap. Everyone say, my oil ain't cheap. That's why you went through what you went through. Because if you didn't go through nothing, you would have cheap oil. And your struggle don't have to look like everybody else's. Maybe you didn't, maybe you wasn't molested. Maybe you wasn't abused. But your story is the symbol of your oil. It's not cheap. It will cost you something. So here's my challenge for you guys. And I'm going to close and I'm going to pray. My challenge for you is empty your vessel. Empty your vessel. Empty your vessel. Empty the things in you that's not of him. Get it out. Get the pride out. Get the fear out. Get the sin out. Get the manipulation out. Get the betrayal out. Empty your vessel and watch God fill it. Get it out. He cannot fill beyond your ability to empty. And if he begins to pour oil and you're not empty, it's cheap. Because oil and water don't mix. And the oil sits on top of the water, and there's a divide. The holiness of God don't mix with your sin. The righteousness of God don't mix with your sin. It won't mix. The oil will never make it to the bottom of the vessel because the water stops it. And God can pour, and the oil just comes back to the top. It never makes it down into the vessel. Some of you guys, you, you kind of anointed. You can kind of do something for God. You can kind of go forth in the things of God. But the oil stays there. It comes back up. And now God is trying to pour oil, but he can't. The oil never touches the bottom because the oil and water don't mix. And the righteousness of God and the unrighteousness of man don't mix. They're diametrically opposed. And the only way to get oil down this jar is to empty it. God can't feel on top of your filth. Let me say it again. God can't feel on top of your filth. 